0: On September, one word. God, damn one it, word. <laughs>
1: Welcome back. It's been a month. <laughs> and that's how you start. Jesus.
0: <laughs> On September 11th, 2001, 19 hijackers took control of four American passenger airplanes as a part of a terrorist plot larger than the world had ever seen before. Millions of people vividly remember that day and where they were when they heard about the attacks or when they saw them happening in real time on televisions across the globe. Despite so many people living through those events, over the last 20 years, they've become hazy and twisted, and large parts of the story have been forgotten by those who were there to witness it. But fear not, HPH is back, and we're here to tell you the whole story, refresh your memory, or, since most of you are 12 years old, just tell you what all the fuss is about. So, grab a drink, settle in, and enjoy the timely terrorist tale that is this episode of 100 Proof History, titled 9-11 Part 1, Building Up. This is 100 Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts... Chris, and Greg.
1: Oh, welcome, man, everybody. It's been a long time. So long. Been a long, lonely, 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 lonely time.
0: (laughs) Woo, I'm so glad to be back. I missed you guys. I've kind of forgotten how to do this, so if we struggle a little bit, you're like, oh, well.
1: It's not like we were good at it before. (laughs) No, no, we were killing it,
0: man. We were fucking killing it. We're on the A list of podcasters. Yeah. Spotify was calling us like this Joe Rogan guys and working out what you guys do. Well, oh, we're going to break. I'm like, well, okay. Never mind. He's like, fuck, shit. i oh, fuck that up. Look, we gave this
1: guy $100 million. He's, uh, he's spreading a whole lot of dangerous misinformation here. <laughs> Can somebody help us out? What about those HPH guys?
0: <laughs> oh, didn't think of that. Then they heard our podcast and we used some insensitive terms like, well, they can't be on our thing. They can't host Jeopardy. I mean, that's kind of how it works out, right? If you, you can't uh, <laughs> can't host yeah, one, you can't host th- the other.
1: That's right. We fit that category well.
0: <laughs> uh, Chris, how was your break? Uh, it was very eventful, actually. Oh. Uh, you know, right after we went on break, the Olympics started. I went down to Tokyo. I joined the Lithuanian uh men's water polo team Uh I was asked to leave after I went to the bathroom in the pool and and you're probably thinking oh how would they know it's it's pee right well no it, it was a it was a deuce it was I was just nervous okay I was just and they it, they put a special dye in the pool to where when you shit it like it dyes it blue <laughs> yeah that's how they know <laughs> that's how they know Okay, and, you know, so I got asked to leave there, but that was lucky because it got me back to America in time for the August 13th re inauguration of the 45th president of the United States, Donald Trump. I was at the My Pillow Guy's house. We were having a good time doing some coke, uh, just, you know, just living it up. And it kind of petered out towards the end. But, you know, it was a fun party up until everybody realized it was all a sham and then shit wasn't going to happen. But up until then, we were having a real <laughs> good time. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That sounds fun. Yeah. And then after that, you know, I just kind of chilled. I, I realized I had to get focused for this fucking podcast. So I, I came back home, got ready for all of that. So, uh, you know, nice. I think it was pretty eventful. How about you? How was your uh, break there, sir? <gasps> <gasps> Ugh. I'm sure you just heard that. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. I got COVID on my break, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so you were at the My Pillow Guys party, too. Okay. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh. It was miserable. And just so everybody knows, I was fully vaccinated. Yeah. And you know, I really do empathize with the people that you know, it's a personal freedom.
2: Yeah.
1: My body, my my choice sort of thing, you know. But to all of our unvaccinated listeners, I just want you to know uh turn off the show
0: and immediately go
2: fuck your own face.
0: <laughs> God, it was miserable. Oh yeah, yeah, I've been dude. there, dude. Yeah, every time we come back from break, somebody's had COVID. We need to stop fucking going on breaks. Yeah, Wolf Dick can't survive this shit. It's gonna fucking kill him. If you it. got it like right when you got vaccinated. The very day I got vaccinated, I probably already unfortunate yeah.
1: circumstances. <laughs> but uh, you know, thought I was doing everything right. Mm-hmm. Unvaccinated guy at work gave it to me. Yeah, real happy about that. Real happy about that. But, uh, out of the water, I mean, I wasn't in the water. It just, I felt like shit for a couple days, a few days, Mm -hmm. in large part thanks to the vaccine. But, um, a lot of lingering shit. The not
0: tasting thing, not fun at all. That sucks. That's the worst, man. (laughs) It's weird. Yeah. Yeah. Full disclosure, guys, we were like, hey, let's make some whiskey tasting videos. And for like six months, I couldn't taste whiskey. It was spicy fucking water. After mm-hmm. I recovered from COVID, I couldn't taste shit for like six months. It's it's the worst. So yeah, uh, I agree with Greg. If you are refusing to get vaccinated, why don't you just go fuck yourself? Because you're ruining it for everyone. Just the worst.
1: Yeah, I gave it to a
0: couple buddies. Fun stuff, man.
1: Yeah. And you know... Speaking of being a terrorist, mm-hmm. what are we talking about today, Chris?
0: Oh, we are back with a heavy one. Uh, just so freaking heavy. It is 9/11. Now today, this episode probably won't be that, you know, just soul-crushing despair that you might remember from that day. Because we're going to be talking about a lot of the background stuff and the building up, as you said in the intro to this story, the lead up, and why these guys did that, and why we failed to see it coming. Um, so that is the topic today, and our sources, we have a couple sources. We had time to read a couple books. Greg didn't couldn't go out in public, so he just sat around reading all day. Number one, we have the 9-11 Report, the National Commission on Terrorist Attacks Upon the United States, by Thomas H. Keene and Lee H. Hamilton. This is the one put out by Congress. Uh, Like 2004, I think is when it came out, uh, after they did all the research into it, interviewed a whole bunch of people. It's a good retelling of the facts of the story. You're not going to get a lot of emotion. But also, they kind of leave out the fact that uh, Saudi Arabia was heavily involved. For some reason, they protected Saudi Arabia. I don't know why. Yeah, I I haven't put those Lego pieces together yet. (laughs) Right. Can't quite place them. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and our second source, which we'll get into a little bit more next week, is Fall and Rise: The Story of 9/11 by Mitchell Zuckoff. Uh, I really enjoyed this one, Greg. What did you think about that book? I feel like it's in like my top 20 books of all time. Yeah, it was really fucking good. It really it's was. so good. Yeah. Yeah, it it retells the story really well. There's there's only a few things we picked up from the National Commission Report that weren't actually in this book. But the book, you know, it, it follows more of a narrative tone, so it's going to take you through the lead up and the day and all that. And man, I'm, I'm telling you, uh, there were times, and Greg made fun of me for this, but there were times I was welling up reading this book and reading people's last moments and stuff like that. Man, it's it's a, it's a such a good book.
1: I hate that you painted me with that brush. I mean, <laughs> I felt the emotion too. the truth. <laughs>
0: and that was also before I
1: had really started it. Started That's true, it, so. yeah, yeah. But no, it's it's a fantastic read.
0: Yeah, so definitely that's one of the ones we recommend. I mean, we we recommend everything, but this is like top, probably top five I've done on this show. Just recommend, like, just go read this fucking book.
1: Oh yeah, this is top three of the books I've read for this show for sure.
0: All right, well, we got a long ways to go. Gregory, are you ready to get into the story? Tell the people the truth.
1: I mean, I'd rather take another month long break, but if we have to, <laughs> let's, let's do. Go. It.
0: The origins of 9-11 can probably be traced all the way back to the 7th century, to the advent of the Islamic faith, or to the ensuing crusades when a bunch of rich Europeans decided they needed to retake Jerusalem. So that's exactly where we're going to start on this 28-part
1: expose on (laughs) 9-11.
0: Oh, can you imagine? Then you you had that idea once, and we're going to do it someday, where... You start a show and it's like, and you know, this traces roots all the way back to the beginning of time. And so Uh that's where we're going to start. This is like, starts as like Teddy Roosevelt. And it was like 130 (laughs) episodes
1: (laughs) before you get back to the point you're tying
0: it to. Yeah. Yeah. I thought that would be a good good tickle. Good way to end the show. Stop people from listening.
1: (laughs) (laughs) In the show with a 130 episode ending,
0: (laughs) troll ending. We did it. But we're going to jump all the way to 1978, when most of the players in this story were actually alive. In 1978, a revolution took place in the country of Afghanistan that led to the creation of a communist government that uh, was, for all intents and purposes, a puppet state of the Soviet Union. The policies of this new government were viewed as anti-Islamic, which, you know, that might be a slight problem when your population just so happens to be overwhelmingly Islamic. Rebel groups, known as Mujahideen, also translated to those who engage in jihad, began to resist the new government and launch small-scale attacks. In the background, the Pakistani government, which was staunchly Islamic, and the United States government, which was staunchly anti-Soviet Union, began encouraging and funding these rebels to rise up. And one of the guys from the Department of Defense actually said he wanted them to have their own version of Vietnam. I want Soviet Union to have that. Um mm-hmm. and then someone else called it a tar baby, which makes me uncomfortable. But it's like a sticky situation, but it sounds racist, so I don't like it. You Agreed. Know? Yeah, I don't I don't care for it. I just want to want you guys to know that I'm not racist. That guy was racist.
1: It's like when you read uh George R.R. R. Martin's the Song of Ice and Fire, until mm-hmm. say.
0: Niggardly, it mm-hmm. makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> but it's with an A, and yeah. it's a real word. Yeah, it means like frugal, like doesn't but want to spend sh- money. Yeah, but it's just like,
2: ugh. yeah, yeah.
1: Especially because I listened to uh, the Roy Dotrice narrated audio book, so it's just straight up like saying it in my ear when I'm driving, and I'm just like, oh, God, that's bad. Why is he doing this? Why did he
0: do that? He's a modern writer. This isn't fucking old English. <laughs> right? He knows what he's doing here. Doesn't know what he's doing. You seen George R.R. R. Martin? He knows what he's doing. God. I hate even quoting that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> By late 1979, the Afghanistan government was begging for help from the Soviet Union. And by mid-1980, the Soviets were involved in a full-blown war against insurgents using guerrilla warfare tactics. Well, over the next 9 years the Soviets fought in that guerrilla war and it was strikingly similar to the US's war with Vietnam, complete with the US secretly funding and arming the Mujahideen through neighboring Pakistan. In the end, the Soviets were forced to withdraw and Afghanistan was thrown into a series of civil wars that would last until 1996 when a super Duper religious and conservative group known as the Taliban would take control, and in the power vacuum that had been created in 1989, and that's what they say about power vacuums, Greg. They suck. You fucking did it again. <laughs> well, it, welcome it back. Again. <laughs> wow.
2: Somebody's like so I, good.
0: I waited a goddamn month for this shit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And you know, while we're on that topic, this is it's kind of a serious subject, mm-hmm. so might not be the funniest of episodes, yeah, this and the next one, you know, like maybe you're used to, or at least in our opinion, funny, in your opinion, probably very annoying but <laughs> uh, like we want to do episodes on the Holocaust, but how do you do that being a you know, history-slash-comedy podcast.
0: So, right, yeah, you have to find a balance. Uh, I feel like the only reason we're doing this, it, it's obvious, it's the 20th anniversary of these attacks. So it's kind of like, yeah. a, as a history podcast, you kind of feel like you have to address it. So, yeah, it's not like something we're talking about that happened 500 years ago, where we can, like, haha, that guy was an idiot. He didn't even know what the internet was. <laughs> Bam! Got him! You exactly. Know, now yeah. we have to we have to be a little bit more serious, but I feel like there, there's still going to be an opportunity for us to make idiots out of ourselves. Our goal is just not to make an idiot out of the victims. That's always our goal going forward. Agreed. Yeah, so in 1980, at the very beginning of that war, a dude named Osama bin Laden, somebody we all know, we all hate now, he showed up in Afghanistan wanting to support the Mujahideen cause. He was born as the 17th of 57 fucking children to a wealthy Saudi Arabian construction magnate. That dude liked to fuck. Uh, My name's Steve Bin Laden. Like to build buildings and fuck women. That was how he got him into bed. I don't know how people get people into bed. I'm just assuming that was his <laughs> go-to line. Like, would that, would that work? <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm going to use it at the milk bar later. <laughs> Build buildings, ooh. <laughs> yeah. You just lie about it. You're just driving around downtown. You're like, you oh, see that? See that building? I built that. That's the Empire State Building. That's built in like 1909. No, no, that's me, baby. That's me, baby.
1: <laughs> hey, baby, I want to see your Twin Towers. I'm going to bring them down with this <laughs> One
2: World Trade Center.
0: <laughs> Osama was a six foot five, skinny 23-year-old when he arrived in Afghanistan. And he may have fought in one battle during that war, but for the most part, he was known as the rich kid who could get a hold of daddy's Arabian Express card and buy cool shit for the Mujahideen. In little-known
1: fact, along with the United States and Pakistan, Saudi Arabia also pumped millions of dollars into supporting the Mujahideen. But contrary to popular belief, those three governments didn't provide any funding, weapons, or training to bin Laden or his buddies. For the most part, during the Soviet-Afghan war, bin Laden used his own resources and received a little outside help from a global network of individuals who supported the Islamic cause with monetary donations.
0: Yeah, and that's something I've been seeing a lot lately. Uh, you know, because 9-11's popping up, obviously. It's been 20 years. Uh, I've been seeing a lot of the people confusing U.S. support for the Mo- Mujahideen with supporting Taliban, with supporting Al-Qaeda or Bin Laden, right? Uh, It's kind of a tricky situation. They supported the Mujahideen but they didn't really care what happened with those guys as long as they fought the Soviets. And so, did they support Bin Laden? Not really. They didn't give him any money or weapons and some of the Mujahideen would fall in with the Taliban or would fall in with Uh, Bin Laden, but they weren't really supporting him. It's kind of like accusing France of supporting the Confederacy because they supported America against the British. You know, there's a big time gap in between, but it's still kind of the same thing. Like, we gave them money and guns, taught them how to fight, oh, now they're fighting each other. And that's kind of how it happened in Afghanistan, too. Mm, The French thought about
1: legitimizing the The Confederacy. Confederacy. they did. So did the British. We'll talk about that in a couple episodes. (laughs) But, uh... I I get your point.
0: Yeah. I just want people... It's weird. The internet swings so far to extremes. I know... You know, I go on all the the quote-unquote swing sites,
1: and I never have any luck. (laughs) For some reason, I'm just not what they're looking for, I guess. Right. Yeah. Or it's probably all just a bunch of dudes. It's 100% dudes. (laughs) Like when I went in AOL chat rooms back in the mid-90s. Yeah. I joined the lesbian chat room. You're pretend to be like, a lesbian. Yeah, I got it. Talk to a bunch of dudes <laughs> pretending to be lesbians.
0: <sighs> anyway, uh, yeah, no, swing sites. Yeah, no, I was gonna say the internet opinion swings one way or the other, where oh. you either love America or you hate America, and it's not like America's a country; and it's done good things and bad things, and it's fucked some shit up in the past. And so you can see how they kind of fuck this situation up, but they weren't actually evil and just throwing money at the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and shit like that, but that's how the internet reacts to everything. So it feels like there needs to be some gray area coverage, like we need to explain that shit to, especially our 14-year-olds, so they don't get in fights in the bars and get their teeth kicked in. Very good point. Thank you. Very astute of you. (laughs) Well, at the end of the Soviet and Afghan war, Bin Laden was pretty well known and kind of like the whole vibe of quietly collecting millions upon millions of dollars from around the world to support his Islamic holy war. So he said, "Eh, hey, let's keep this body rolling, bitches. That's what he sounded like. That's a very, very good impersonation. <laughs> Thank you. And he became leader of the group known as Al-Qaeda, which roughly translates to base or foundation because the organization was supposed to be the base from which his wars could be fought. And Greg, I like to joke with my wife when she's putting on her makeup. I'm like, hey, you're putting on your your foundation, right? And she's like, yeah, I'm putting on my foundation. I'm like, oh, you're putting on your Al-Qaeda? Because you support terrorism? And then she likes to politely remind me that the restraining order says I can't be in the same room as her. And, you know, <laughs> like, you know, it's just fun. It's fun for everybody. <laughs> well, in 1989 the dude that was basically running the country of Sudan, invited bin Laden to come to his country and start building his home base. In exchange, bin Laden would help that guy wipe out the Christian separatists in the country and build him a freaking highway. Like, not even a joke. Like, I don't, I don't even know how those negotiations went. It's like, hey, you want to come down here be a terrorist? We'll give you some money? We want, we'll turn a blind eye while you uh, import a bunch of dudes and train them how to kill people. Also, we need we really need a fucking highway. you are looking at a road built pretty fucking bad. <laughs> you seen the potholes in this motherfucker? Okay, I guess I'll throw that in. I don't. Okay, all right. It's a weird request.
1: Well, ah, it's the only thing he had to offer. You know. Yeah. Son of a dude that runs
0: a gigantic construction company. Oh, fair enough. Yeah. He's like, hey, I can build you like six Dunkin' Donuts. Like they have really good coffee. The, the guys thinking about it's like, yeah, but their donuts are shit, and they they charge way too much. Now, how about a how about a highway? Like, Fuck, that's your counter. Jesus Christ! Are, are fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, Bin Laden and Al Qaeda started buying up Sudanese property, but instead of moving there, Bin Laden went back to his home country of Saudi Arabia. In late 1990, when Greg's hero Saddam Hussein invaded Kuwait, no. Bin Laden lobbied the Saudi government to allow him and some new Mujahideen fighters to retake Kuwait from Iraq. He said, hey guys, we got this shit. Don't even need any help. We got it. It's all us. Uh, We did a really good job uh, taking back Afghanistan after nine years. I'm pretty sure we can just take back Kuwait. Just like that, you know? (laughs) Instead, the Saudis said, hey, uh, thanks for the offer, bro. But these American dudes, they got jets and tanks and shit, and they like buying our oil. So it's going to be a hard pass from us. Boom. It's my. They got some dude named Trevor negotiating for him. He's all coked out of his mind. <laughs> Sunglasses on. <laughs> yeah. Middle of the night. Yeah. Some soddy strip bar where they're still like, they just take off the, the part of the burqa. Ooh, look at that, a collarbone. (laughs) It's culturally insensitive. I don't. Continue. Fine. Apologies to all of our Saudi Arabian listeners. I don't know what I'm doing. It was at that point that bin Laden began to publicly rail against the Saudi government, and they kindly invited him to get the fuck out of their country. So, bin Laden moved to Sudan, began building a terrorist network, and yes, he actually did build that highway he had promised to construct. The toll road is bullshit. And they paid it off in like three years, but they kept charging tolls. Fucking mm-hmm. assholes. Hey, we're gonna uh move a sports stadium over there if you want.
1: Oh yeah, sure. Well <laughs> <but> <laughs> You guys gotta pay for it. Yeah. But but you're a billion dollar organization. What's your point?
0: Yeah, I don't understand. I'm failing to see your point. If I paid a billion dollar for a stadium, I wouldn't be a billion dollar organization. How about that, jackasses? <laughs> You want us to relocate to Chad? We'll fucking do it. We've been talking to Chad all day long. They're like, hey, come on over, motherfuckers. Yeah, we'll build you a stadium. <laughs> I put, your mom's been talking to Chad. Fuck you. <laughs> over the next few years, al-Qaeda grew in size and wealth and would fund several terrorist attacks on American bases and embassies in the Middle East. See, Osama was hot-pissed about the U.S. being involved in Middle Eastern affairs such as the Gulf War and their long-running support of Israel, and they thought these attacks would cause the U.S. to stop meddling in Middle Eastern affairs. (laughs) Yes, yes,
1: and little-known fact. Actually, these thoughts weren't entirely baseless. In 1983, terrorists from the group Hezbollah detonated two truck bombs outside of a U.S. Marine Corps barracks in Beirut, Lebanon, killing 307 people. As a result, President Ronald Reagan withdrew all forces from Lebanon. Going forward, groups such as Al-Qaeda would use this as evidence of U.S. weakness.
0: Yep. But in this case, the U.S. didn't actually stop meddling. Instead, they imposed sanctions on countries such as Sudan that were harboring terrorists and got Sudan's neighbors to join in on that fun. See, that's how we get you, the economic pressures, and then drone strikes, and then you know, 20-year occupations that don't solve any problems, but we'll get to there, we'll get to that. hey <laughs> So, in 1996, the Sudanese government helped itself to some of bin Laden's cash, and then politely asked him to get the fuck out of their country. It was by this point that the Taliban had taken over control of Afghanistan, and they welcomed bin Laden with open arms. Playing that Creed song, is he? His airplane
1: with arms wide open. Come here, Osama. (laughs) Give me a big smooch, and I will harbor you. With arms wide open. (laughs) Under the So I'm gonna stop now. No, no, keep going. Let's I fucking hate that song. Fuck the
0: rest of this show. Let's keep going with that. The towers
1: crash to the ground, but that booty's is so round with arms wide open, tongue in between those cheeks.
0: All right, just please no. continue Six funny so I can stop. Six foot five and skinny, you gotta wonder else is long and skinny, right? You're like, Ooh, hello. <laughs> and if it also has a very long beard draped off of it, I already feel bad about myself. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Greg. Good to have you. <laughs> well, up until 1998, Al Qaeda. God damn, that was funny. Oh, Sorry, <laughs> that was good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Well, up until 1998, al-Qaeda had focused entirely on funding terrorist operations. But in February of that year, bin Laden issued a fatwa, which is basically a statement on Islamic ruling from someone of authority, believes himself to be an Islamic authority. And that said that the Jews and the American crusaders were fair game for killing. Now, it is weird how he can just claim I'm an Expert on uh, Islam, I'm like the the Islamic authority. I'm the new Islamic Pope. So uh, kill whoever the fuck you want. And Everybody's like, oh, okay. Well, the Pope said it. It's cool, right? Cool, right? Well, I
1: you have to look at it, man. Especially in Afghanistan, mm-hmm. extremely extremely uneducated people.
0: Yeah. Oh, they my, don't have the
1: infrastructure for it. That's why when we just you know we're in the process of withdrawing our troops out, mm-hmm. which Good move. Should have done it a long time ago. Yeah. And I went over there. I was over there two fucking years. Because I realized when I was there when the ANA forces were being trained, they did not have a concept of state. Right. They yeah. didn't have a concept of country. They didn't know what they were fighting for because it didn't matter to them. You know, it, it's not this giant interconnected country. Mm-hmm. It's these people care about their tribe. Their local yeah. their local situation, their tribes, surrounding tribes. Stuff like that. Mm. And so the concept of state just it just does not register the fact that anybody really thought that they were going to not lay down their arms against <laughs> Taliban. It's like, no, you don't believe something that different from what we do, you know, outside of Kabul and some sure. other areas. It was, it was never going to Yeah, gonna no. Work.
0: And, and yeah. being on the outside, you can see that in years past with the videos where they're trying to train those forces and they can't do jumping jacks. And they're just like dancing and shit because they don't understand why they're doing it. Yeah. And then now you see the Taliban take over. And I mean, I know it's probably propaganda being put out by the Taliban, but seeing them in bumper cars holding their rifles, you know, as they're at this amusement park and shit. I'm like, oh, that's it's so it's kind of mm-hmm. endearing. I haven't even they-
1: seen that shit. I'm, they're such trying not to look.
0: They're such idiots about things that we take for granted. Anyway, so, yeah, they were. Up until nineteen ninety-eight, Al Qaeda was funding attacks, but then they decided to get in the game for themselves. And on August seventh, nineteen ninety-eight, they launched their own terrorist attacks against US embassies in Kenya and Tanzania, killing over two hundred people, including twelve Americans. Not that Americans are better, but this is the context of the story
1: of 9-11. I agree. <laughs> After a <laughs> No, but what? just wanted to clarify that context. Oh, yeah, yeah. Of why yeah. we include 12 Americans, other than obviously being American.
0: Well, you know, as I said, he's trying to drive out America from the Middle East, trying to get them out of their affairs. Yes. So that's his main target. Yeah.
1: I just don't want people thinking, you know, oh, these fucking American exceptionalists. Yeah. Because we, we hide that
0: very true <laughs> opinion uh, well, I think. so. Yeah. We pretend to hate America so that we can get laid. That's just, you know, typical liberal college thing. That's what you got to do on a liberal college campus. (laughs) Right? (laughs) What do you think about communism? I think it could work and under the right circumstances. (laughs) Hey, baby, take off your bra.
1: Hey, Jim, why don't you take off those bus briefs? <laughs>
0: Let's say, talk brass tacks. <laughs> say, and he was like, I'm not even wearing a bra. This is natural. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> That's Alfred parky. 300-pound oh. <laughs> computer science major. Oh, those are pecs, you say. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, the response to those bombings from U.S. President Bill Clinton was to launch some cruise missiles into Afghanistan and into the Sudan which really did fuck all, especially since the targets were provided by piss-poor intelligence from the CIA and our old knucklehead buddies, the FBI. Well, it turns out, and this might surprise some people, that U.S. intelligence agencies in the late 1990s were pretty much absolute dog shit. And you, if you haven't listened to a previous episode about the FBI, you might be surprised by that. I was going (laughs) to say, these people have listened to our show. They already know that. They know that. Well, the Cold War with the Soviet Union was over, so the CIA funding was cut drastically. Hardly anyone in the agency spoke Arabic, and they absolutely refused to hire people with relatives that lived in Middle Eastern countries. And that goes back to the Soviet days of fearing moles and spies and all that shit like, oh, you got a dad who lives in Dubai? Well, (laughs) get out of here, you fucking terrorist. (laughs) Not anymore. (laughs) Drone strike. He's dead. Right in the middle of this interview. What's your response? I still love America. Yeah, that's what you would say, you fucking terrorist. Get out of here.
1: Get out. Get on that ship that says
0: Guantanamo Bay on the side of it.
2: (laughs) That's where you're headed.
0: Basically, every CIA... HR guy was macho man Randy Savage with the America bandana behind his back. <laughs> Take a bite of the Slim Jim. What do you think? Oh, you can't have pork? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> it's mostly mechanically separated chicken. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Bone saw is ready. <laughs> I hope he comes back in the next Spider-Man movie like all the other ones from those Spider-Man movies are coming back. Yeah. In he did oh shit oh shit sorry and guys the work the cia did was modeled after their intelligence gathering on the soviet union which was a country or really a federation of countries and it was not focused on terrorist cells that were connected by a global financial network so they really had no idea how to look into this thing and as per usual the fbi was just a goddamn hot mess. Each regional office was run as its own mini-FBI, and they didn't communicate with other offices about their cases. They still all wanted to focus on guns, drugs, and murders, so counterterrorism was placed on the back burner. And even when they did form counterterrorist units, they weren't trained or equipped to gather intelligence to prevent future attacks so much as they were made to investigate attacks that had already happened. You can see kind of the problems building here. It's like, well, we don't know what's coming, but we'll deal with it when it fucking happens. That's what my mom said about her pregnancy and it didn't work out for her. It's not going to work out for the FBI. Here I am, spreading my auditory terrorism (laughs) across the airwaves. Getting my message out there to 12 people. They're like, oh, I believe in it now. I believe in it. 12 people. We're like
1: 12-year-old people.
0: Yeah, that's true. Millions of those kids. I'm going to have an army (laughs) soon. (laughs) And what's even worse is that the FBI and the CIA did not communicate with each other about their cases at all. In 1978, Congress had passed the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, or FISA, which you may have heard about in the last five or so years. I don't know, maybe that came up when you were listening to the news, maybe not. FISA warrants had to be obtained, and they could only be used to gather foreign intelligence through surveillance, not to get around using a regular search warrant. Yeah, so, example. An American is
1: illegally selling guns to send money to a terrorist group. A FISA warrant would allow the FBI to tap his phones and computers to try and gather intelligence, but they'd need a regular
0: search warrant to search his house for the guns. Yeah. A little bit of a workaround there. Yeah, it it seems pretty cut and dry, but for some reason, they began misinterpreting these rules. So if you guys think that's a little confusing, you're not alone. The FBI became so worried that a judge would think that foreign intelligence had corrupted a criminal investigation, they just stopped sharing intelligence, even with other FBI agents. And even when it had nothing to do with a FISA warrant. FBI intelligence, huh? (laughs) a <laughs> hey, yeah. bit of an oxymoron am I right yeah Woo! low-hanging fruit yeah. yeah yeah suck it fuck you FBI <laughs> oh shit my FBI recruiters call me I gotta reject this call right now <laughs> <laughs> I'm not right headspace for that all of that is to say there's nothing to indicate that there was intelligence information about what was going to happen on September 11 2001 but there's a whole lot of reasons why the FBI and CIA never would have figured it out anyway. Like, they just didn't know what the fuck they were doing, and they weren't talking to each other. Who
1: knows? Well, that's the thing. You hear a lot of things about, like, oh, they knew about this. They knew about this fucking months in advance. And it's like, no, that's not true. Yeah. But even
0: if they did, it wouldn't have mattered. Yeah, they wouldn't have told anybody. They wouldn't. Right. <laughs> like, and, and so, like, we're going to mention another bombing later that happened in a certain city— Well, for some reason, they just said that FBI branch is responsible for investigating that bombing, even if it happened overseas or all that. And so they never communicated with any other office. So you might have some guys entering the country from another point who might have been related, but they don't know about it because they're not fucking talking to each other. Same shit that's
1: been going on for decades that we've detailed on this show numerous times. Yeah. Still happening.
0: The only difference is nobody's sniping anybody in this one. Maybe that would have solved <laughs> everything. If what is what's his face from the Ruby Ridge and Waco had been there yeah. to just blast Nobody's somebody dog through a door, killing door here. Yeah. yeah. Well, as a matter of fact, the U.S. intelligence community had no idea that Bin Laden and Al Qaeda had been planning a massive attack on U.S. soil for years, and one of the main targets had already been a terrorist target years earlier, the World Trade Center in New York City. Get a rope. Sorry. Programmed in my brain. You don't remember the old El Paso ads? Like they have the salsa. It's like, where's this salsa from? Oh, New York City. Get a rope. Like you're gonna murder somebody because the fucking salsa is hog tie him. Hopefully, let's let's lynch this guy. He's a little tan for my taste. (laughs) (laughs) Holds up the paint sample to measure the melanin. Like, oh, shit. These old El Paso guys are fucking racist. <laughs> no kidding.
1: I'm definitely buying the New York City shit. Uh,
0: yeah. they gotta. I don't care if the salsa's terrible. I just don't want to be associated with it. <laughs> yeah. I'll
1: take the ketchup over being associated
0: with that. <laughs> yeah. God damn. All right. Well, that feels like a good place to take a break. We can come back and Greg can kind of tell you the rest of the build-up, maybe tell you about the World Trade Center. I don't know. I don't know what Greg's going to do in the second half. We haven't prepared for this at all. We had a month. We just kind of sat around with our thumbs up our asses and said, oh, shit, we got to come back tomorrow, so just threw something together. Here we are. One, two, three, break! All right, we are back. Hope you guys enjoyed that little mini break after our big, long break that we had. Nice little month.
1: It was still skinny break though, you know.
0: Yeah, it might have been long, but you know, it's still <laughs> it's still nice and thin, <laughs> like a pencil. <laughs> right? It's been chewed on. Yeah, it's just some deformities by there by somebody
1: in grade school.
0: Oh Jesus, no, no. We're, no, like a pencil. Like like it's an that. analogy. Uh, okay, I'm sorry. Just, Just sorry. Saying it's
1: pockmarked and
0: <laughs> The break was pock <laughs>
1: continue, please.
0: Well, after our long break, came in from mowing the yard outside, it was all hot and sweaty. It's it's August. We're taking a break in August. And I go inside and open the fridge. I'm looking around for something to drink and I hear Hey Hey, what are you doing, fella? And my first thought is, oh, shit, someone from Grindr has doxxed me again and broken into my house. That's a regular occurrence. <laughs> I definitely shouldn't use my license and my profile picture, but, you know, lesson learned, right, on my behalf. My wife took all the photo albums when she moved out. <laughs> Look, this is <laughs> only photo I <laughs> have That's of myself. My <laughs> and you know what? It already lets you know my height and my weight, you know? So you, you uh, already know what you're kind of getting into, but... Uh, no, I'm like, what's well, that sounds coming from the fridge. That's fucking weird. Is this like a Ghostbusters thing where it's going to be like a portal to another dimension? But it's like, hey, no, you're thirsty, buddy. Why don't you drink me? And I look over. And it's like this shiny can, this tall, shiny, thin can. And
1: then soda, and purple
0: stuff. Oh, Sunny D. Yeah, but it's a seltzer. And he's like, oh. hey, buddy. Hey, you know you want me in your mouth. I'm like, oh, I can't do it can't do it it's not the second half it's like what are you talking about it's like well, that's that's the rules This has to be a let to be a second half seltzer put me in your mouth daddy yeah, yeah just it i'm like but it, it's so it's kind of girly right to drink seltzer when i'm not doing the show is it's a girly drink what your tro- tropical fruit and he's like what's more manly than putting some girly in your mouth i'm like well that's a good point that's a real good point that's why i like penis colada <laughs> Yeah, so there I am, fridge open, and I'm looking around, make sure nobody's looking. I'm like, because you got you to gotta follow the protocol, man. You can't just jump into it. Like, I'm singing the song to myself, and my wife walks in. And she's like, Are you singing to the fridge? I'm like, Leave me alone. It's been a month, you bitch. Where are the photo albums? <laughs> Where'd you do <deal> with those? <laughs> I thought it was another heavy set trucker in here. <laughs> Turns out it's just you. <laughs> I knew I didn't hear the air brake of the truck outside. <laughs> I fooled myself. It's a, like a, a reaction. I hear the and I'm like, oh shit! Why am I hard? Oh god, I'm in traffic. I can't do that. <laughs>
1: I don't even have my, my lipstick on. <laughs> right.
0: I need to powder my face. Put, put that al Qaeda on. <laughs> oh, there you go. Tying foundation. It in. Yeah. Nice. But Greg, I held off for a month. We are back. And now it's time to do it right. We're going to have our second half seltzers. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second Second half half seltzer. Three, two, one. Oh, oh. I got excited. I got excited. (laughs) Your wife told me about
1: that. I didn't believe it. (laughs) The premature pop. Oh, yeah, you know you wanted it. You've been
0: waiting. Yeah, baby, I have. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, that's so refreshing. I also have not had any seltzers <laughs> over the
0: last month. <laughs> I've had a billion. I've had so many. <laughs> well, you know, when you can't taste things, you're like, just, I don't care. Just pour something in there. Just hydrate me.
1: Well, you know, uh, I had the COVID. So, wife, isolated, moved in with her parents. Mm-hmm. To be fair, she had done that actually before I started feeling <laughs> symptoms. Um, this was more a symptom of divorce. But <laughs> it worked out, you know,
0: God's plan, as Drake would say. Yeah, So as Drake would uh, say, as he sends a text to a 12-year-old girl on Stranger Things. Hey, what are you up to? <laughs> so her and the dogs were out of the house. It was just me, fridge full of
1: uh, seltzers and... Mm-hmm whiskey, and, <laughs> and then I only had certain amount, SpaghettiOs and Lunchables, all right? Mm-hmm. That's all I had in the house. That's all you had left. You couldn't go outside to get more. Well, I could, but then I'd be one of the assholes that got me into this.
0: Right, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But here we are. Here we are. Here we are. We got our seltzers in us. We're feeling great. We're just so happy to be here. And Greg, it's time for you to tell people some more history stuff, I guess.
1: Well, I feel like I'm drunk, but I'll do my best. Well, ladies and gents, construction on the World Trade Center Towers began in 1966, and they were first occupied in 1970. The complex itself consisted of seven buildings, including a hotel, but the main buildings were the Twin Towers, World Trade Center 1 and World Trade Center 2, or the North and South Towers, respectively. Each tower was 110 stories and stood about 1,350 feet tall. By the time they were fully occupied, up to 50,000 people worked in the offices and another 40,000 passed through the complex each day. The architects of the towers described their design as being similar to a pipe. The towers didn't have the traditional steel columns running all throughout the interior. The strength of the building was actually the concrete columns that ran vertically along the entire outside of the building also known as curtain wall construction. In the very center was a column that held all of the elevators
0: and stairs that ran throughout the towers from bottom to top. Yeah, and little known fact, when the towers were being built, the architects held that the strong exterior of the buildings would protect them from aircraft collisions. After 9-11, this became a sticking point for some idiot conspiracy theorists who ignored the fact that the architects themselves have said they were talking about the much, much smaller planes of the late 1960s that carried a whole lot less fuel.
1: On February 26, 1993, a blast rocked the towers when a truck bomb was detonated in the parking garage below the World Trade Center complex. A seven-story hole was ripped into the sub-levels of the complex, killing six and wounding over a thousand. To their credit, the FBI did a fantastic job of investigating the bombing. For once, <laughs> they quickly identified the truck used and found out that a man named Mohammed Salame had rented it, reported it stolen. It would not stop calling the rental agency, demanding his four
0: hundred dollar deposit back. <laughs> what a fucking idiot! Shit. Yeah. Like, like how how could we ever find the guys responsible for this? Maybe it's the guy who won't stop fucking calling about the truck that was used in the bombing. <laughs>
1: Well, Salame was quickly arrested and the dominoes began to fall until a man named Ramzi Youssef was discovered to be the mastermind behind the entire plot. Youssef had fled to Pakistan and wouldn't be arrested until 1995, but would subsequently be convicted and sentenced to life in prison. Mission accomplished. Hang the banner.
2: Ladies and gentlemen,
0: we got him. Yeah, great, great job, FBI. You did it. No more terrorism's ever going to happen. You fucking did it, FBI. Yay! Hell yeah.
1: Now, remember at that time, bin Laden and al-Qaeda were just financing attacks. And to this day, it's still not clear if they had anything to do with the 1993 World Trade Center bombing. So we can't really fault the FBI for not making that connection. But according to the 9-11 report, the FBI basically looked at it and said, Case fucking closed. Like Chris said and went out for celebratory martinis, rather than taking this as a hint that Islamic terrorists could share
0: global connections and would continue to strike on U.S. soil. It's so weird because, and maybe it's a sign, as we were talking about earlier, of how divided the FBI offices were, because as we talked about in our Oklahoma City bombing thing, the first thought that raced their mind was it was Islamic terrorists that had bombed Oklahoma City. Not, you know... Couldn't be a white guy. <laughs> Come on, man. Right. Yeah. You know? But they, going forward, the FBI still, they wouldn't think that future attacks were possible by Islamic terrorists. They are like, hey, we got this guy. Problem solved. And that shit ain't gonna happen again, you know? It's like, every time my wife catches me on grinder, she's like, okay, knock it off. I'm like, you got it. I'm sorry, baby. Won't happen again. Last time. Won't happen Last again. time. And then, all of a sudden, she opens the door. I'm standing there looking in the fridge, and there's this big hairy trucker standing behind me going, You thirsty, baby. i like, God damn it. <laughs> Not again, Seltzer. I'm like, No, no, I'm, I'm really here. Let me touch your belly button. My wife's like, I thought this shit was over. <laughs> thought we were done with this. Let me
1: get a swig of that Sony D before I leave. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, the
1: FBI and CIA were blissfully unaware that in 1996, Ramsey Youssef's uncle, a dude named Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, henceforth referred to as KSM, had come up with a terrorist plot with the oh-so-clever name of the Planes Operation.
2: Hmm. What
1: could he be doing? He must be blowing up the American planes.
0: Mm, oh, targeting Nebraska. No one will see that shit coming. Yeah. Need to invest in corn
1: while I can. It's about to skyrocket.
0: If that was the goal, they one out of four killed a field, so mission accomplished. Hang the banner for them, I guess. That's more Pennsylvania, but... And spoiler alert! You know,
1: we're getting ahead of ourselves. Here. Yeah. Well, KSM's plan called for the simultaneous hijacking of 10 commercial airliners in the U.S. and then crashing them into various symbols
0: of economic wealth on both the eastern and western U.S. coasts. Where is Scrooge McDuck's fault located? Is that East Coast? That feels like an East Coast location. So we need to. If I knew, I wouldn't be doing this fucking podcast. (laughs) Fair enough. Be diving into that pool of coins and immediately breaking your neck because it's a fucking. Yeah, I would have tried it once and then I'd be dead (laughs) because I'm stupid. The duck can do it. I can fucking do it. I can do what a duck can do. Look at my dick. It's a corkscrew, just like a duck's.
1: In 1996, bin Laden was basically hosting the terrorist version of Shark Tank and was inundated with various plans for attacks against the United States and Israel. At that point in time, he told KSM that his plan was too complicated and it needed some workshopping. Maybe run it past a few focus groups, find a test market, you know, the usual business jargon for your pitch is trash and I hope you die. Mm -hmm. That sort of thing. But bin Laden was a shithead attention whore. And by 1998, he was upset that the U.S. hadn't really
0: spent much time worrying about his attacks. You know, if only, like, TikTok had been around back then, I feel like we could have avoided all this tragedy. Like, he, you know, he just wants attention, he just wants somebody to know him. So maybe he does the old uh, milk crate challenge that they're doing right now on social media, or dances in some videos, does the dab, you know, the floss, he, uh... Does all those crazy things you see on TikTok, like maybe some twerking, some underboob. Just gets all the hits on the the TikTok and the Instagram, and we don't have this problem. But uh, sadly, we didn't have that back then. I'm sorry, Milk Crate Challenge? You haven't seen the Milk Crate Challenge? So that's brand new. I'm with it. I'm hip. Basically, you build a pyramid of milk crates, like one, two, three, all the way up to five. See if you can walk up and down it. Most people make it to the top and it starts wobbling so much and they fall on their face and suffer incredible injuries that will haunt them for the rest of their lives. But at least they got some upvotes on the internet for doing so. Okay. Yeah, that's basically the same thing. Yes, he should have done that,
2: (laughs) asshole.
1: (laughs) Well, with all that said and, you know, because Cisco's thong song and... Milk Crate Challenge didn't
0: exist. We didn't even have Who Let the Dogs Out at this point. I feel like that could have avoided a lot of tragedy.
1: Yes, the Baja Men song, (laughs) Who Let the Dogs Out, also. Uh, With all that being said, he decided to greenlight a smaller, sleeker version of the planes operation after KSM officially joined up with Al-Qaeda and got his super-secret members-only Dakota ring. The funding was approved and KSM began to research targets and potential dates of attack. The next big al-Qaeda attack, however, came in 2000, when a boat full of explosives detonated next to the USS Cole, a U.S. Navy missile destroyer. Seventeen members of the ship's crew were killed, and another forty were wounded in the attack. Bin Laden had all of his known bases of operations abandoned and got all giddy, because he was just sure that the U.S. would attack in response, and even more
0: Muslims would be drawn into al-Qaeda's jihad. Yeah, and that's kind of a catch-22 for the U.S. here. Do you attack al-Qaeda, make them martyrs? Like, hey, look, the U.S. is upset that we're doing this? Or do you do nothing and kind of let them stew? Maybe come up with a bigger plan? I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. I don't we'll know see the right
1: course we're... of action. Yeah,
0: I don't either. I'm not President Bill Clinton, you know? If Monica Lewinsky walked in right now, I'd be like, nice to meet you, ma'am, and I'd avoid eye contact because I'd be so uncomfortable. Please, please go. Can I interest you in a cigar? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. (laughs) sorry. Don't tell my wife. Don't tell my wife. (laughs) Well, the U.S. didn't do shit.
1: As Chris said, Bill Clinton was still president. And when he had ordered two cruise missile strikes back in 1998 with bad intelligence, the media tore him a new one and went in raw. Better days. Not with the cigar wrapper still (laughs) on there.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Monica Lewinsky (laughs) jokes,
1: 2021. Haven't been able to bust out the Lewinsky jokes in a minute. (laughs) I know, right? So in 2000, not only was he a lame duck president who was hesitant to start a conflict on his way out, The CIA was so scared of giving him bad intelligence that they would only say that they thought the attacks probably, maybe, might have possibly been orchestrated by bin Laden and al-Qaeda. By February 2001, Al Gore was— Wait, wait. Whoa! I'm sorry. The Supreme Court Court (laughs) has informed me that George W. Bush was president, and he didn't see any reason to attack anyone over the USS Cole, which— According to one intelligence source, pissed Osama bin Laden right the fuck off and made him certain he'd have to do something even bigger to get Senpai George to notice him.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll have to do a Hanging Chad episode so we can talk about what my mom calls that guy who stands over Uh, and also the four elections. You know, (laughs) no, that's Hung Chad. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah, it's not Hanging Chad. (laughs) No, he's really into autoerotic asphyxiation too. He's like, just put her around my neck. <laughs> oh. She's like, do I need to be here for this? Oh no, I need witnesses. That's, that's a big part of it, <laughs> you know. If I start to go unconscious,
1: lift yeah. me up. Don't panic and run away. I'm not no goddamn Kill Bill. <laughs> oh shit, David, David Carradine. Carradine. <laughs> Hung Chad has quite the southern accent. Dude,
0: <laughs> he's from Florida, you know? Uh, Six people got that joke. He's also on a ventilator
1: right now, so.
0: Yeah, yeah whatever. He should have got vaccinated, bitch. <laughs> what? He should have got vaccinated. Not, no, no, no.
1: Not my freedoms. Fuck you. <laughs>
0: The freedom. What? I'm sorry, I can hear you There's a tube in your throat
2: Please kill me Please kill me Tell my family I love them and that I'm free
0: <laughs> Tell my family to get vaccinated Even though I didn't and I railed against it on Facebook For six months ah!
1: <laughs> That's a very long sentence For somebody on a ventilator Anyway <laughs> Throughout the spring and summer of 2001 The CIA presented several memos And briefings stating they believed that a large terrorist attack by al-Qaeda was imminent. And on August 6th, President Bush received a briefing titled, Bin Laden Determined to Strike in U.S., which laid it all out for the president. On September 4th, the chair of the Counterterrorism Security Group, Dick Clark, held his first meeting specifically focusing on al-Qaeda, and said we
0: need to do something about these fucks before they attack, and before
1: I have to host...
0: I was gonna say I always wonder what that dude didn't do when it's New Year's Eve. Like what he was doing It's not New Year's Eve. You interrupted my joke to make
1: the exact same joke. I (laughs) fucking hate you. (laughs) Anyway,
0: we're back! We did it! We didn't talk for a fucking month. We had no contact. It's like, yeah. This motherfucker's got my jokes. And it's showing (laughs)
1: you're not getting my fucking subtle eyebrow glances of shut the fuck up. Yeah, You just keep plowing ahead like a seven-year-old, oblivious to the drunk stepdad about to fucking slap you in the face. (laughs) All I can see is that
0: that unibrow over your fucking mouth.
1: (laughs) Are you talking this mustache,
0: baby? That glorious mustache. (laughs) Finally,
1: on September 10th, 2001, the committee dealing with terrorist threats came up with a three-phase plan to try and hopefully convince the Taliban to stop working with
0: al-Qaeda. Problem solved, right? Mission accomplished.
1: Hang the banner. We just did that.
0: Must do it again. Won't do it again.
1: We learned our lesson. (laughs) We haven't. We'll never do that again. (laughs) We have not learned our lesson. (laughs) Of course, they had no idea what would happen the next day, and even though they had seen massive warnings that bin Laden and al-Qaeda would attack, they still didn't have any specifics on a plan or a target. Maybe if the FBI and CIA had been sharing information or doing a little bit of proactive intelligence gathering, they would have known that the men who would conduct the
0: upcoming attacks had already been in the United States for over a year. Mm. We need tougher immigration laws. We need like a wall or something to keep these people out, right? Hit me up, conservatives. Hit me up. (laughs) We need to do that. We need to divide. I need to be conservative. You can be the, the liberal, and then we can just get both audiences instead of just driving people away like you like to fucking do. Oh, I love driving people away
1: when they're stupid. <laughs> Enter Muhammad Atta. You don't have a sex joke or something fucking stupid, Chris? Hmm? Well, that's
0: hmm? No. Why hmm? would I? No. <laughs> in
1: 1999, Atta was living in Hamburg, Germany with a few of his best buds. They were a fun group who just liked to hang out and chill while they talked all about how they were radicalized Muslims who wanted to watch the Western Christian world
0: burn the fuck to the ground. (laughs) Wait, normal, normal shit, man. Are you telling me someone in Germany caused problems for the entire world? That's okay. All right. I know. uh, That can't be right.
1: I know. We're, we're more radical than uh, Muhammad Atta, aren't we? <laughs> Shortly thereafter, they watched Russia invade Chechnya, and they decided it was time to go fight for Islam. It just so happened that they met another Islamic dude on a train who knew that Osama bin Laden was looking to recruit young Muslims who lived in Western countries, had no terroristic ties, and could speak English for his upcoming planes operation.
0: Yeah. It's one of those weird twists of history because uh, we've, we we uh, we did episode on the apartment bombings in Russia and the war with Chechnya. And these guys, we got fucking obliterated in Chechnya fighting for that side. So just weird coincidence that they cross paths with this guy who says, why don't you just uh, head down to Afghanistan instead? Why don't you go meet my buddy, mm-hmm. my BFF, my bro? Putin could have solved this problem. 9-11 could have been prevented by Putin. And he didn't do it. You guys, a piece of shit. That's all I got. I'm sorry. You heard man. it here first. <laughs> okay, yes. <laughs>
1: Atta and his group, known as the Hamburg cell, rerouted to Afghanistan where they met bin Laden. He named Atta as their leader of the operation and then sent them back to Hamburg with instructions to shave their beards, wear western clothing, and try and appear less radical. You know, he wanted them to blend in. Mm-hmm. With Western culture, and uh, some of them went <laughs> above and beyond when it came to that. Yeah. We'll get into that, trust me. It's salacious.
0: They are buying, buying Creed albums. <laughs> I really like <laughs> this, man.
1: <laughs> but I, I have my own words. Listen to them. <laughs> In the year 2000. Ata and two of his fellow conspirators, Marwan al-Shahid and Ziad Jarrah, moved to Florida, a.k.a. the worst state in America, a.k.a. America's Wang. Once there, they began to take pilot lessons. Their instructor noted that they were all very rude. They were super intent on learning how to fly commercial airliners. But, uh, none of them seemed very interested in learning how
0: to take off or land. What a fucking red flag. Yeah. <laughs> what? Like, oh, you know, most crashes occur during takeoff and landing. Wow, well, fuck that shit. What happens in midair?
1: <laughs> yeah. Shortly thereafter, they were joined by a fourth pilot, a 29 year old Saudi immigrant named Hani Hanjour, who had earned his pilot license in Arizona in 1999 slowly but surely another 16 men 15 of which were saudi arabian moved to the united states these 15 were to serve as the muscle of the operation despite the fact that most of them were little skinny dudes who all stood about 5 foot 7 inch tall by the summer of 2001 all 19 of the men
0: who would conduct the attacks were in the united states Yes, Greg, and little known fact, another member of the Hamburg cell, Ramzi bin al-Sheib, was slated to be the 5th pilot and 20th hijacker, but he was denied entry into the U.S. Now, this wasn't because he was a suspected terrorist, but rather because he was from Yemen, and the government was worried that people from Yemen might overstay their visas in an attempt to claim refugee status because of the suffering in their home country. So not like, eh, he's going to kill a lot of people. It's just, oh, uh, this fucker's going to try and stay here. <laughs> just get this shit head out here. Go back to
1: Yemen, you piece of shit. Well, and while we're kind of on the topic, we don't fully know the full extent of what this might have been. Yeah. No, like we know that he was going to be the pilot of the fifth plane, but we don't know the original plan. Yeah. Although we have had the mastermind in prison for a while.
0: Yeah, and, and
1: we've yeah. apparently tortured him quite a bit. So I'm sure there there are people that know, but yeah, you and I do not know.
0: Right, and we'll get to that a little bit next time with the, uh, the Saudi involvement that we don't know about. And also, there were at least four targets that we know of. There are five, obviously, but there are at least four. We don't exactly know what the fourth one was because it wasn't successful. But like I said, we'll get into that a little bit yeah. more next time.
1: Likely one or two places, but yeah. Well, in late August, Muhammad Atta picked September 11th as the date for the attack for reasons we will never know. He and his fellow terrorists began buying up plane tickets. Over the next month, the terrorists spent their remaining funds on prostitutes and strip clubs.
0: Mm. Dying for the <laughs> cause, my man. <laughs> yeah. You know what? If I'm gonna die, I'm gonna die having given a lot, a woman a lot of money. And uh, you know, got nothing to return besides you know, kind of seeing her naked and being asked to leave after I I touched her on the the hip for a, a half a second. That's my you know, that's my goal, right? If I'm a terrorist, which maybe I am, but I'm not. No, if I'm a terrorist, that's my goal. Just to slightly touch, get kicked out of the strip club.
1: Not saying so I am, <laughs>
0: but. But...
1: Awesome. <laughs> but uh, no, 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 man. Anyway. On September 10th, Ziad Jirah sent a letter to his girlfriend back in Hamburg saying, quote, I will wait for you until you come to me. There comes a time for everyone to make a move. You should be very proud of me. It's an honor, and you will see the results. Everyone will be happy, end quote. Mm.
2: I don't
0: know if everybody's going to be happy. We'll see. We'll spoil the story. We'll see. We'll see if everybody's happy after what happens.
1: The following morning, September 11th, 2001, the terrorists woke up early and got ready. It was almost time for them to board their planes and make the U.S. government's worst fears a reality. End
0: of this part of the story.
1: Woo! Did it. Chris just, y'all heard it. He celebrated the September 11th attacks.
0: Well, we're not there yet, Greg. I don't know what happens on September 11th. You have to come back next week to You're find just glad out. They woke up and uh, they got uh-huh. ready. They they got on the planes. Yeah, I'm ready. Feeling dapper. I'm, you know what? I'm happy for anyone that gets wakes up, early and gets on their plane. You know, uh, even the you know? quote terrorists in quote.
1: <laughs> I'm pa- I've painted you into this corner. <laughs> you
0: have. I can't back out. <laughs> anyway. You the floor's painted, there's bear traps everywhere, I got nowhere to go. But no, we did tell that part of the story, and next week we're going to tell the heartbreaking finale to this part of the story, but for right now, Greg, let's just go ahead and dive right into what, uh, you know, if you aren't familiar, we like to call these things, these little bits of information, we like to call them
2: Fast Facts! <laughs>
0: Fast fact number one. On multiple occasions, Bin Laden reached out to the government of Iraq for support, despite the fact their government was mostly secular. However, after having his teeth kicked in by a 38-country coalition, Iraqi President Saddam Hussein, Greg's hero, was in no hurry to anger the world by supporting Osama Bin Laden.
1: Fast Fact Number 2 In 1993, two U.S. helicopters were shot down over Mogadishu, Somalia during a U.S. operation to capture a Somalian warlord. This attack and the ensuing battle that would inspire the book and film, Black Hawk Down, was funded and
0: supported by Osama bin Laden. Fast Fact Number 3 In
2: 1995,
0: when terrorist bomber... Ramsey Youssef was being flown to trial in Manhattan in a helicopter. An FBI agent cockily removed his blindfold and pointed out the Twin Towers and said, Hey, they're still standing. Youssef replied, Ding! They wouldn't be if I had enough money and explosives. End Fast
1: Fact Number 4 A Gallup poll conducted between September 7th and September 10th, 2001, showed that less than one-half of a percent of Americans polled considered terrorism to be the nation's top problem. For some strange reason, a poll conducted in October of 2001 showed that a record 46% of Americans thought terrorism was the biggest national issue.
2: (laughs)
0: All right, that is the end of this part of the story. We will pick it up next week with the actual day that everyone remembers, but kind of doesn't actually remember. They kind of like misremember facts. It's called a uh, flashpoint memory, but we'll get into that next week. Be sure to check us out, hunterproofhistory.com. There you can find our Patreon, and there you can find all sorts of old episodes, hangovers, mini-episodes, that aren't available to the regular public for just $3 a month. You can support us, help us out, provide us liquor, keep the show going, all that good stuff. Also, check us out at 100 proof history on all the social medias, especially Instagram. That's where we like to hang out the most. Guys, we really thank you for Wolf Dick, our producer. Dan, the intro guy who, yeah, man, he's been out of work for a month. He was struggling, but we gave him the Cheez-Its. We gave him the 30 seconds, he's back at it, he's so excited, he's just glad you guys are back, as I am I. Thank you all, I am your co-host, Christopher, sexiest, sexier than me, look at that mustache, Reg main host, do you have anything else to tell these people? Nah. <laughs> I'm gonna grow me a mustache for Halloween and be Ted Lasso.
2: You (coughs) alright?
1: Wrong pipe (coughs) That's where mom
0: coughed last (laughs) night Wrong butt pipe (coughs) Yeah, with my mom it's No, 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 that's my vagina No, 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 no Do you know Shaq's Muslim?